A trio of ACC schools picked up quality recruits in the class of 2024 over the weekend in Miami and Virginia and Georgia Tech. Let's break it all down right here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey folks, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a daily national college hoop show, part of course of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. Folks, we are continuing our conference preview series today. We have been discussing every single conference in college basketball ahead of the upcoming 23-24 season, talking storylines, coaching changes, realignment, also taking a look at our favorites for this upcoming season, dark horse candidates to win the league, and some award predictions. We're going to close out today's show talking about the America East Conference, whether Vermont can continue their tremendous streak of success over the last half decade or so. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk about a trio of four-star recruits who over the last three days or so, as you're listening to this, have committed to various ACC schools. Uh, Miami landing a four-star, not a huge surprise. Virginia landing a four-star, not a big surprise. We'll talk about that. But then we also got to talk about Damon Stoudemire, first season at Georgia Tech, landing himself a high-profile recruit as well. We'll start off with Isaiah Johnson Arigu, who has committed to join Jim Laranega and the Hurricanes of Miami. Isaiah Johnson Rigo is a six foot seven small forward from Minneapolis, Minnesota, heading to some significantly warmer weather down south in Miami than where he is currently. He's the 106th ranked recruit in the 2024 class per on three sports. That drops down a little bit at 24 seven sports to 134th, where they actually have him as a three star. But again, on three does have him as a four star. He picked Miami over Iowa, Northwestern, Texas Tech, and Virginia Tech, so a handful of Power 5 programs very interested in Johnson Rigu's services. Uh, and for good reason. Again, six foot seven, small forward. He's got a really big wingspan, seven feet. Uh, he compared himself to Jordan Miller. Gotta love that. Uh, of course, fantastic player for Miami, just recently left that program. But, you know, player comparisons are not always the most reliable. But you talk, you look at his scouting report and his length, his versatility, he can guard one through four. He's a good shooter, a, a multiple level scorer, kind of guy that we've seen Jim Laranega develop in a significant way in the past. Uh, certainly helps to, to be able to go to a program like that. So I think a uh, quality pickup for Miami in a situation where, uh, you know, they've continued to develop talent at a really elite rate the last couple of years, back-to-back elite eights are always going to help you do that in terms of developing talent and in terms of bringing in talent. They've been getting a lot of attention for, of course, the ability to bring in players in the transfer portal and the money that they've been getting from John, John Ruiz and Life Wallet. And certainly that has helped with players like Nigel Pack and a handful of other players they've brought in the portal. But this has been a strong development system as well. And Johnson Riga looks like another great piece for Coach L to continue to develop for the Canes in the coming future. And then the big story for them is, is this it? Because the big story is Jaleel Bathia. And right now, as you're listening to this, it is Wednesday, September 20th. Most likely, Jaleel Bathia is committing on Wednesday. We're recording beforehand, so we don't know where he's going to end up. I'm sure my co-host, Isaac Shade, will cover this commitment on Friday's episode of Locked On College Basketball. Bathia is a six-foot-four combo guard. He is ranked number seven 
in the class of 2024. Very, very high level prospect. Whoever lands him is going to be very happy. And right now, as we're recording, he is between three schools. One of them, of course, being Miami, could be a huge pickup for Coach L. Kansas is in the mix here as well. Bill Self's team, of course, frequently in the mix for high-level recruits. And then Villanova. This would be a great, great pickup for Kyle Neptune if they could land this six-foot-four combo guard in Jaleel Bathia. Moving on, Virginia. Speaking of going from Minnesota to Miami, we got another long, long commute here for Jacob Kofi, class of 2024, six foot nine power forward from Sammamis, Washington. He goes to Eastside Catholic High School, a huge powerhouse sports program in the Pacific Northwest. Kofi is the number 82 ranked recruit in the class of 2024 at On3 Sports, 90th at 24-7 Sports, so just inside that kind of top 100 range. He picked Virginia over Ohio State as well as a couple of West Coast schools in USC and the hometown school, Washington Huskies. He acknowledged really wanting to get the opportunity to play for Coach Tony Bennett. Hard not to agree with him there. That's always a great opportunity for players. It sounds like a guy who's willing to come in, and he said he's going to compete for minutes right away as a freshman. That's his goal, his hope. But it sounded like he's kind of really excited for the opportunity to grow and develop his game. So wouldn't expect him to be a one-and-done, maybe even not a two-and-done guy. Of course, depends on how he performs in college. But Virginia, Tony Bennett, they tend to get guys who are more – they don't tend to recruit the one-and-dones as often as some of their counterparts in the ACC tend to do. So not surprising to see them go after a guy who seems to be interested in more of the developmental kind of aspect of playing college basketball. Uh, he's a stretch four. He views himself as a guy who can defend multiple positions. Of course, how you do on that end of the floor is how you're going to get playing time for Coach Bennett. It almost doesn't matter what you do on offense. If you can go out there and stick guys on the defensive end, block some shots, get some boards, hustle that way, you're going to get some playing time. And Kofi strikes me as the kind of guy uh, who's going to be able to do that. Again, a very versatile forward with some some range in his offensive game as well. So I think a, a really nice pickup, maybe not a, a flashy pickup in year one, uh, for, for him when he gets to that team in 2024, but definitely a guy who, who could be a really big contributor uh, for Virginia in the coming years. And finally, the big one, Damon Stoudemire makes a big, big splash for the Yellow Jackets at Georgia Tech. He adds four-star combo guard Jaden Mustaf in the class of 2024. He's a six foot four combo guard from Atlanta. He just transferred to Overtime Elite, where he will play this year uh, in Atlanta. So, of course, a, a guy who is going to get real familiar with the territory before he commits or before he starts playing, I should say, at Georgia Tech. The number 50th ranked recruit in 2024, again at on three, he goes up to 39 if you use 24 7 sports as ranking. So, a top 50 prospect across the board in the class of 2024. And if you're thinking, man, I don't feel like Georgia Tech gets a whole lot of top 50 guys, you would be correct. The last player that Georgia Tech landed out of high school who was a top 50 recruit was Iman Shumpert. That was back in 2008. It has been a while since this program has been on top of the recruiting, of course, being in the ACC, competing with so many other premier programs in the Atlanta, Georgia, Florida, Carolina area is really difficult, of course, when Miami's you know playing as well as they have been. You always have Duke and North Carolina, Wake Forest in the mix as well. It's been tough. It's been tough, tough for Georgia Tech to land that kind of talent. But Damon Stoudemire comes on board, comes from the Boston Celtics, of course, a very successful NBA player, multiple-time All-Star, was the head coach at Pacific in the West Coast Conference for about five years. Didn't have a ton of success there, but we talked about it on a recent episode that 
Nobody's really going to have success at Pacific. He came in there when they were still dealing with a lot of sanctions from the previous staff. So for him to get Pacific to be a 500 team during his tenure there was a tremendous accomplishment. Now he gets a chance to coach at the Power 5 level and already is landing recruits that this team hasn't seen in 15 years. Mustaf picked Georgia Tech over Indiana, North Carolina State, Maryland, Florida State, and a handful of other programs again. He did, he had options. He could have gone to a lot of premier programs, and he chose to go to a Georgia Tech team that hasn't had a ton of success on the court. And he told you why. Direct quote here from the article posted by Joe Tipton at On3 Sports. He says, I chose Georgia Tech because of Coach Damon Stoudemire. He believes in me, and I believe and I believe in what he is building here in Atlanta. The academics at this school are second to none, and he is a legend at the point guard position, and I can learn so much from him. Folks, keep your eye on Georgia Tech. I'm not saying they're going to win the ACC in the next two years, but keep your eye on them. I really believe that Damon Stoudemire has the, the ability to relate to current players, the pedigree as a coach, to turn this program around. Maybe they're not a perennial top five seed in the NCAA tournament or anything like that. But considering where this program has been for the last 10 to 15 years, I would not be surprised to see that climb out of that cellar and start really challenging in the ACC in the not too distant future with Damon Stoudemire at the helm. Well, folks, like we said, conference preview series continues. We're talking America East today. We're going to look at Vermont's recent dominance in the conference, as well as a handful of interesting and exciting incoming transfers into the conference. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I'm excited to get into the fall season and actually be able to wear the pants that I got from Bird Dogs. These things are seriously unbelievably comfortable. I would highly encourage any of you to get your own pair if you can. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts and pants are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, and they give you a truly sculpted look. They fit way better than shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton because Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that can keep you cool and dry all day long. Bird Dogs are functional for any occasions. Wear them on a date, wear them on an evening out, wear them to the pool, wear them to golfing, working out, lounging, whatever it may be. Go to birddogs.com now and use promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LOCKEDONCOLLEGE or promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. All right, folks, we are still continuing our conference preview series here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, discussing every single college basketball conference in the country ahead of the 2023-24 college basketball season. Ten different conferences are getting full shows, the Power Six conferences as well as the A-10, the AC, the AAC, excuse me, the Mountain West, and the WCC. The rest of the conferences are going to be discussed during the shows. Today, we are discussing the America East Conference, starting with the biggest storylines. And right now, the big storyline in the America East Conference is Vermont. The Catamounts of Vermont are building a legitimate juggernaut in this conference. They have been to four of the last, they've earned four of the last six auto bids into the NCAA tournament. They have been a 13 seed in three of the last five years. They were a 13 seed in 2017, in 2019, and in 2022. 
And last season, still made the big dance, still were successful, but they got dropped down to a 15 seed, which was a little surprising, frankly. They were 114th in Ken Palm, which is not great. I'll admit that. But considering where some of the other conferences had their best teams reside, I was a little surprised to see them down as a 15 seed, regardless, a team that is pretty routinely in the big dance. Uh, they did not they did not advance last year like we talked about Princeton on yesterday's episode of Locked On College Basketball, of course, a 15 seed, who did advance all the way to the Sweet 16 last year. Vermont did not. They ran into Marquette in the first round, lost 78-61. to 61. Still a team that deserves to have your attention, though. 20-plus wins in every full season since 2008. 15 years, obviously, excluding the COVID season, they have won 20 or more games. Their coach during that time is John Becker. John Becker has a 280 and 113 record during his time with the Catamounts. That is a 71.2% winning rate with that team. He is a six-time coach of the year in the conference. And there is a reason that this team has been at the top, not just because of their success with the coaching, not just because of their success getting into the NCAA tournament. But part of it is, quite frankly, there's not a whole lot of good basketball in this conference outside of Vermont. UMBC is the team that many people recognize, of course, as the 16 seed that defeated Virginia as a one seed the first time a 16 seed has ever beat a one seed. The biggest story in sports that year. Virginia, of course, quieted the doubters by winning the NCAA tournament the following year. A couple years went by before we saw another 16 over a one upset. That was fairly Dickinson last year, defeating Purdue. But outside of that, we just haven't seen a lot of super promising basketball in the American East Conference. Now, there are some talented players joining the league. And for a conference that you kind of expect a huge chunk of, of players leaving the conference, transferring out, there aren't as many as you'd expect. We'll get to that momentarily. I do want to highlight a few guys who are coming into the conference, though, who could make a significant impact. You got Samir Torrance transferring from Syracuse to Binghamton. Uh, Torrance spent two years at Marquette, averaged two points in 52 games. Then he spent two years at Syracuse, averaged two and a half points there. So not a guy who was particularly productive for his first four years of college basketball, but anytime a school in the conference like this at a program like Binghamton can land a guy who spent four years playing high level power, five, power six basketball. It's always a nice, nice touch to have that guy for his final year of eligibility. You also have Raphael Pinzone coming from St. John's to Bryant. He averaged six points and two boards and an assist last year for the Johnnies, part of that mass exodus uh, at the Red Storm when Rick Pitino came in to start as the head coach. You got Shamir Bogues coming from Tarleton State to Vermont. No, he is not related to former NBA point guard Muggsy Bogues, but Shamir averaged about 10 points, three and a half boards, two steals per game last year for Tarleton State. He's a two-time WAC all-defensive team member, and he heads to join that very successful Vermont squad. Finally, you got Sebastian Thomas going from Rhode Island in the A-10 to Albany. Six points, three assists, and two and a half boards last year at Rhode Island. And yeah, like we said, some talent gone, but we've talked about conferences on this podcast before who four of their five first teamers all transferred out. All of their second teamers transferred out. Like we've seen conferences where legitimately everybody's gone. And in this conference, none of the first teamers transferred out. A couple graduated. And I think that was kind of part of it is that a lot of the guys who were first, second team in this AEC were guys who were out of eligibility. So that's why you didn't see as many transfers, but still only one second teamer transfers out of the American East Conference, that's Charles Pride, who heads from Bryant to St. Bonaventure. You got one third-teamer out the door, Nick Johnson, who goes from New Hampshire to Winthrop. Uh, no other 
America East award winners out the door. A couple guys from UMBC moving on. Yao Obeng Mensa, eight and a half points, six and a half boards last year for UMBC. He goes to Niagara. And then Matteo Piccarelli goes from UMBC to Temple. He averaged 10 points and 1.2 assists last year. Final guy I wanted to highlight is Gerald Drumgoul, who went from Albany to Delaware. Excuse me, Delaware. He averaged 16 points, 5.2 boards, two and a half assists last year, far and away the most successful season of his college basketball career, which began at Pitt, spent two years at Albany, now going to finish out his career at Delaware. Last thing here on the storylines before we get into those favorites and dark horses and, of course, those award predictions to close out the show, we got to talk coaching changes. Two major coaching changes going down in the America East Conference this year. New Hampshire replaces Bill Harrion with coach Nathan Davis, and NJIT replaces Brian Kennedy with Grant Billmeyer. We'll start with New Hampshire. Bill Harrion gets replaced at New Hampshire after 18 years, 18 years at the helm with this squad. He's a 65-year-old coach. He said he's not retired, hasn't landed another job yet. We'll see what opportunities end up getting presented to him. 227 wins for New Hampshire. He also had 303 losses with a 42.8% winning rate with that team. Uh, No NCAA tournament appearances in about two decades with New Hampshire. So I'm guessing that was probably part of it. Last couple of years haven't gone so well. I think they were finally ready to to pull the plug and move on here. Prior to his time at New Hampshire, uh, Harion had coached at East Carolina University from 1999 to 2005. Before that, he had coached at Drexel from 1991 to 1999, made three NCAA tournament appearances there. This man has been a head coach basically as long as I have been alive, Uh, so it's kind of sad to see his career come likely to an end in this capacity, but uh, New Hampshire moves on, brings in a coach in Nathan Davis who comes over from Bucknell, where he went 129 and 115 over eight seasons at Bucknell in the Patriot League. He had two NCAA tournament appearances and, in fact, was the coach of the year in the Patriot League in both 2017 and 2018. So anytime you can get a coach who's been to the big dance, been to the big dance a little bit more recently than Coach Harrion had, who hadn't been since the mid-90s, uh, you get a guy who's has a winning record at eight seasons at a school in the Patriot League. I think you got to feel pretty good about that if you're New Hampshire. And then NJIT, they replaced Brian Kennedy with Grant Bill Meyer. Kennedy has been the head coach at NJIT since 2016. Not had a ton of success there. He's 81 and 123. That's just under 40% winning rate uh, in his time with that squad. Uh, They're bringing in Grant Billmeyer. Billmeyer is a first-year head coach, but he has a lot of experience. He was at Maryland last year. He actually followed Kevin Willard to Maryland from Seton Hall, where he had been since 2015. So we're talking about a guy who, for the last eight years, has been at the high major level. He was at Seton Hall from 2015 to 2022. At one point, he had been promoted to associate head coach. Again, followed Willard over to Maryland from uh, Seton Hall. So a guy who has some pedigree, has some experience, coached some really talented players at Seton Hall and at Maryland last year, now gets an opportunity to take over the helm for a program that has not had a lot of basketball success in a long time. Again, wouldn't expect NJIT to suddenly turn it around in a rapid way, but nice to get a coach in who comes from that Power 5 level and has some of that pedigree for this team. But let's talk favorites. Let's talk who we think is going to win it all. Is Vermont the front runner once again? Four out of the last six NCAA tournament auto bids have gone to Vermont. Is that going to continue, or could someone else step up and take over the mantle? We're going to discuss all of that after a word from today's sponsor, Jace Medical. What would happen if you found yourself cut off from modern medical care and treatment? I'm guessing you wouldn't be prepared. 
Maybe it's supply chain issues because of a global pandemic, or you're on an outdoor adventure, or there's a natural disaster, or you're traveling in a different country with different standards of care. Honestly, for me, life is just so busy that I don't really have time to make a lot of doctor's appointments. And if you're like me, you just want to have that security. You need the Jace case from Jace Medical. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form, and then you get a prescription, life-saving medications delivered right to your door. I love it because the Jace case gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have that medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Doctor created, doctor recommended. That's Jace Medical. Folks, closing out the show today here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, still continuing our America East Conference preview, heading into that 23-24 season. And we got to start talking about our favorites to take home the trophy. And we got to start talking about Vermont. Because again, Vermont's done this four out of the last six years. They went 14-2 and two in conference play last year, 23-11 and 11 overall. Again, haven't had a season under 20 wins since 2008. So this is a team that is going to be at the top of everybody's list. Every team in the conference is coming after Vermont. That's how it works. But this Vermont team lost some key players. Three of their five leading scorers from last year are out the door. Dylan Penn, 13 and a half points per game last year. Finn Sullivan, the player of the year in the conference. He averaged just under 12 points per game last year. Robin Duncan out the door as well after averaging eight points per game. Now they do keep Aaron Deloney, who was the sixth man of the year in the conference last year. He averaged 11 and a half points per game. They also keep Matt Verretto, who averaged about nine points per game. And more importantly than that, they add three transfers. And I think arguably three of the very best transfers coming into the conference all joining Vermont. That's not surprising. They have the most pedigree. They have the most likelihood of landing in the big dance. We already kind of talked about Shamir Bogues. Bogues, nine and a half points, 3.6 assists last year, excuse me, 3.6 rebounds last year. He's an all-whack defensive player, all-whack first-team defensive player in two his, his only two seasons at Tarleton State, likely going to compete to be that kind of player again for Vermont. They also had TJ Long from Fairfield. He was the MAAC sixth man of the year at Fairfield, 10 and a half points and three rebounds. And they add Jace Rockamore coming over from UC San Diego in the Big West, Rockmore averaged six and a half points and 2.6 assists. To me, Vermont is where you start. UMass Lowell was right behind them in the standings. Maybe they can make a push, certainly. But to me, Vermont is the team to beat. And I do have a dark horse, though. A team that I think could compete with them, could make some noise, could push from fourth to first in the America East Conference. And that's Bryant, the Bryant Bulldogs. Eight and eight last year in the American East Conference, 17 and 13 overall. They were 208th in Ken Palm, which was third in the America East Conference behind, of course, Vermont and that UMass Lowell squad. Now, Bryant did lose one of the best players in the conference, Charles Pride. He averaged 14 and a half points and six rebounds last year. He is transferred to St. Bonaventure in the A-10. Really nice pickup by the Bonnies. Uh, they also lose Antoine Walker, who averaged about 13 points per game. He is out of eligibility. But the key for Bryant, the reason they're on this list as a dark horse candidate is because they have perhaps the best score in the entire conference. And I say perhaps, last year he was. Sharif Gross Bullock averaged 17.1 points per game last year. That led the conference. He's back. 
He's back in the mix with his Bryant Bulldogs team. They also get Earl Timberlake back. He averaged 13.8 points and eight rebounds last year. They also get Tyler Brelsford back. He averaged six points per game. And we got to shout out Doug Edert. That name sounds familiar to you. It means that you were watching the St. Peter's Peacocks when they went on that incredible run as a 15 seed after upsetting Kentucky and blasted their way all the way into the Elite Eight. So Doug Edert was the guy with the mustache, the kind of face of that program, and he transferred to Bryant last year. Only averaged five and a half points per game last year for the Bulldogs, but he's back for a fifth and final year with Bryant. In case anybody was wondering, I wonder what that guy's up to. Now you know. He's a fifth-year senior for the Bryant Bulldogs coming back to help try to get this team out of the middle of the pack in the American East Conference and up towards the top. Bryant also adds a trio of transfers, some some interesting names coming in. We talked a little bit about Rafael Pinzone, six points, two boards at St. John's last year. The most productive player transferring into this conference who is coming from a power six school. St. John's was not particularly good last year, but anybody who could put up six points per game in the Big East is probably going to have some success coming down to the America East level. So this is a nice pickup for Bryant. They also had Connor Withers, an interconference transfer from UMass Lowell. He averaged over his four-year career at UMass Lowell, he averaged eight points and 4.8 rebounds. So getting a player who has produced at this level in this conference, a veteran guy, always a bonus for Bryant as well. They also get Daniel Rivera. He's coming over from St. Louis. Now he did not play as St. Louis and he was a Juco transfer to the Billikens. Didn't play last year, so a bit of a mystery for him. Small forward, six foot six, but a guy who, you know, was was good enough coming out of junior college to go to an A10 school in St. Louis. So perhaps the guy who could make some noise for Bryant as well. All of that mixed with the fact that they've been to the tournament a couple times before. They have a solid coach in Jared Grasso. It's enough to believe that this team could seriously challenge Vermont at the top of the standings in the America East Conference. Going through our award predictions here, Player of the Year. Already touched on, I'm going to touch on him here again, Sharif Gross-Bullock. 17.1 points per game last year, shot 40% from three for the Bryant Bulldogs. It was a little surprising he did not win this award last year because the guy who won it, Finn Sullivan, averaged under 12 points per game. Of course, points per game is not everything. And it is worth acknowledging that the player of the year has come from Vermont seven years in a row. So whether Gross-Bullock has the ability to break that streak Remains to be seen. If he averages 18, 19 points per game and Bryant goes from fourth to second, fourth to first, really hard to deny that he's going to be the guy who's in that conversation for player of the year. Newcomer slash freshman of the year. We're going with a newcomer, a transfer here in Shamir Bogues. Bogues is the guy coming over from Tarleton State, joining Vermont. Here's the main reason. Vermont's three players that they lost, Dylan Penn, Finn Sullivan, and Duncan, six foot three to six foot five guards. All of them were between 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". They are losing key production in the backcourt. Shamir Bugs comes in, the key addition for them in the backcourt. 6'4", combo guard, 9.5 points per game at Tarleton State last year in the WAC. The WAC is a, a better conference than America East and a very strong defensive conference. And I think going from you know, averaging close to double figures in the WAC to going to America East and Bryant, or excuse me, Vermont, I think Bogues has the real opportunity to explode as an offensive player. He's already a solid rebounder, and he is a great defensive player. Again, two-time all-WAC first-team defensive player. He was a 36% shooter from deep. I would not be surprised to see Bogues be a 15, 16 point per game guy for Vermont, uh, high level shooter, all, all AEC first team defensive caliber player. And to me, 
all of that likely paints the picture of a player who wins that Newcomer of the Year award uh, for this conference. Coach of the Year, going with Bryant once again. Jared Grasso mentioned him already. He's won the award back in 2022. Now, this is when they were in the NEC. Worth acknowledging, Bryant is about to start their second year in the America East Conference. Last year was their first year in the conference. Like we said, they went 8-8 eight and eight in league play. Can we see them climb the rankings from 4th to 2nd, 4th to 1st? If they do so, I think Grasso's got a real chance of winning that award. I think he's got the player of the year on his team in Sharif Gross-Bullock. I think that's enough for him to potentially make that leap and be that caliber of coach that wins that award this season. Closing out the show with Defensive Player of the Year, Kellen Tynes coming from Maine. This is an easy one for a couple of reasons. One, he won the award last year. Always kind of cheesy to pick that guy, but it's hard to deny. Also, he led the entire country in steals. Not the conference, not the mid-major level. He led the whole country in steals, 3.3 steals per game. He's coming back as a junior. Maine's not a particularly good program, but this is a player who has really great hands on defense, utilized them extremely well last year. He's going to be a heavy favorite coming into the season. Unless things really fall apart for him, it's hard to deny that Kellentines is probably going to be a two-time defensive player of the year in the America East Conference. And that's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Been having so much fun with these conference previews. We still got a handful more to go. I know my colleague Isaac Shade and Leaf Tulin will be discussing Conference USA on Thursday's episode. Definitely want to look out for that one. A whole bunch of storylines in that league with a bunch of realignment. I will be back on Friday with some more information about what's going on in college basketball as well. And as we get into next week with more conference uh, previews and more updates on recruiting, various other things as we get closer and closer to the start of the college basketball season. Folks, we're barely 40 days away. It is getting right around the corner. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On College Basketball. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. It is very much appreciated. Thank you all again. And until next time, as always, peace out.